Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, we hope you had a great Christmas. It's probably a different Christmas, maybe. Um, some traditions maybe ended. Uh, maybe you began some new traditions, things you could do, couldn't do. Um, but hopefully it was great. Hopefully it was a great Christmas for you and your family. See, uh, traditions can actually keep Christmas Christmas, right? Traditions are the, the things that we can rely on year after year after year. So, so uh, I want you to think for a moment about your Christmas. I'm um, about Christmas maybe for you growing up um, and finish this statement. It's not Christmas unless blank. It's not Christmas unless grandma makes her Christmas candy. It's not Christmas unless we go chop a tree down. It's not Christmas unless we have a Christmas service. It's not Christmas unless fill in the blank. What is it for you? What is it for you and your family? Maybe there's things popping up. Maybe if you're, if you're viewing online, throw some stuff in the chat here. But for me, there were a lot of traditions that we've had growing up uh, that came and went. But one was that uh, after Thanksgiving, the weekend of Thanksgiving, we would go chop a tree down. And when we were little kids, we would have like a little hayride and little candy canes. And maybe Santa Claus was there at one point. But as we got older, um, we always ended that Christmas tree hunt uh, with uh, getting burgers at the dugout in Hortonville. That was just always our tradition. Uh, I remember another tradition that I had growing up was we had this old nativity barn set. And they didn't come with a lot of pieces. It was all one together, the pieces were already glued in place. There was this little barn with the donkeys and different things, and it was, it was, it was old. And it was falling apart, you know. There was like hay on the roof that every year you pull it out. You know how, how you have de Christmas decorations that always leave more than they came with, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I'm seeing some nodding of heads. And so it was one of those things, and I remember every year we'd pull this out, and I'd be like, my goodness, that thing looks old. But it was a music box, and so I remember as a kid, I would just crank that and I would crank it as tight as it went so it would just play as long as it could. And then I'd crank it more. Uh, you know, I remember that. Um, but for me, it's not Christmas unless uh, every Christmas, my dad, we would, get, we would all sit on the couch, and my dad would open to Luke chapter 2 and would read the Christmas story from the Bible. And then after the Christmas story, like clockwork, uh, he would pray. And he prayed for every person in the family by name, and he would thank God for each person in the family, and he would finish by thanking God for the person of Jesus Christ that brought salvation to our family and into this world. And so uh, for some of you, you remember that was your dad that always read that, or, or maybe it was your, your grandpa, or maybe, uh, maybe you always only heard that when you came to church at Christmas. But for some of you, the only time you ever heard that was maybe uh, when you heard Linus share it in the, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Let's take a look at that. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So isn't that what Christmas is all about? 
right? That, 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 for some of us, we, we watch that and we just have that warm feeling, right? This brings back those memories, just the nostalgia of maybe you were in a Christmas pageant at one point when you were a kid, or, or, or you, you remember the first time you watched this show. But this is what Christmas is all about. It's joy to the world and peace on earth. It's the classic Christmas carols we sing about. But for some of you, you, you just hear this Christmas story and, and it leaves you with some questions, right? It leaves you some questions of, okay, joy to the world, peace on earth, just because this one baby was born. Uh, and, and, and maybe you kind of get Charlie Brown-like or Scrooge-like or Grinch-like when, when you just hear the Christmas story. Isolated from the rest of the Bible, the Christmas story can seem a little bit far-fetched. Um, and I'm not talking the wise men and the shepherds. I'm talking just that a baby boy could be born and it brings joy to the world and peace on earth. And actually, you don't even have to be cynical to, to piece this together. That, that the angels said, said, peace on earth. Peace on earth. They, they, they declared peace on earth because this baby was born. But yet, you look at the Christmas story, peace on earth, and then you look at your life, your day-to-day and you think, eh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure there's peace on earth. I mean, I'm not seeing it. I'm not thinking it's going to be around the corner. I mean, we have had a year, uh, a year of chaos, a year of death and protest and chaos and, and, and division of, you know, political division and just different things. And so it just doesn't seem peaceful and really not sure if around the next corner is peace on earth. And so we, we leave ourselves with that question, okay, what do we do with that? If, if, if Jesus was supposed to bring this baby, Jesus was supposed to bring peace on earth, but yet we don't have that, what does that look like? And now maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, but, but maybe Jesus brought peace on earth for the shepherds and for them that were living in the first century. Maybe that's what it was. Because really, it was prime and ready for Jesus to bring peace on earth. I mean, they had had hundreds of years, the people of Israel, God's people, um, had had hundreds of years of silence from God. He hadn't sent a prophet, a messenger to his people to give them a message for hundreds of years. Um, they were in, they were, they were, in a, they were an oppressed people under the Roman government, under the Roman Empire. Um, and so it was primed and ready for Jesus to show up and bring peace on earth. It was, it was primed and ready, but it's really interesting because if you read the rest of the Christmas story, read the rest of Scripture surrounding Jesus' life, it was peace on earth when he, when he came and was born. But as he started teaching, he started teaching some pretty radical things, some things that actually caused even more division among different Jewish sects. And so you get to that point where it's like, wow, Jesus didn't bring more peace. He brought more division. And he actually even started claiming things about who he was. He claimed that he was the son of God, which brought even more division and actually led to his death. And so, so you think to yourself, well, Jesus didn't bring peace on earth. And if you play the story in history a little bit further, Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and then he ascended back into heaven. And in that same generation, the Jews revolted against Rome. And uh, which, which resulted in thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths of, of, of the Jews that were in Jerusalem. And not only that, but the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. So Jesus doesn't seem like Jesus brought peace on earth in the first century. It doesn't feel like Jesus brings peace on earth now. So the question that I ask is, is the Christmas story... This baby that was supposed to bring peace on earth, joy to the world, is that just there to make us feel good for a holiday? 
to, to feel like we can give presents and we can spend time with family? Is, this, is Christmas all about just the nostalgia and sentimentality and tradition that we love to feel good about? Or is peace on earth really attainable? Is this something that we can actually look at and say, yes, peace on earth is attainable. Yes, this baby boy that was born was, did bring peace on earth in a way. Now, we're in church, and I'm a pastor, so you know how this works, right? You, the, the pastor sets out the problem and then looks to Scripture to try to solve it, right? And so what I want to do is, like I said, if you read the Christmas story, or you hear Linus say the Christmas story, without reading the rest of Scripture, it can feel like there's a pretty big disconnect between baby Jesus being born and having peace on earth, and so what I want to do is I want to take a journey this morning to look at the rest of Scripture on, how, on what this peace on earth looks like and what that looks like for them and what that looks like for us. So if you would go with me, uh, I'm going to spend some time in Isaiah. I'm going to spend some time uh, in 2 Corinthians. But uh, I want to start with Isaiah chapter 9. Now this is a Christmas story. This is commonly read in church. Um, Isaiah chapter 9. Now Isaiah was a prophet from God. A prophet was a messenger from God. So God would speak to his people through one person, a prophet. Now this prophet, uh, Isaiah, give a, gives a prophecy, which is really just a message from God to his people about a future baby that was going to be born. Okay, so this is a prophecy about baby Jesus. Starting in verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. This child is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace of peace. Prince of peace. What's a prince of peace? What is that? What does that even mean? You ask any little girl, they're going to answer, well, a prince like Prince Charming is the son of the king, is going to be the, the heir to the throne, will be the future king, right? That's what a prince is. Much like a princess is the daughter of a king and is destined to become queen, Right? So, so that's what a prince is. It's this future king. And then if you ask, well, what's the prince of peace? Well, a prince of peace is a future king that will rule with peace, right? And so, so you, you have to ask the question, okay, so it says, uh, it says, and the government will be on his shoulders, right? What is this government? What is the government of a king? What is the government of a king? It's a kingdom, right? Uh, this kingdom will be on his shoulders, which means uh, the burden of ruling in this kingdom will fall solely on this baby. This kingdom is fully going to fall on this baby. And that's where he will, he will be the only one that will have authority in this kingdom. He will be the only king in this kingdom, and he will rule, and he will reign. And then it says later on, it says, and the, and the, his, the greatness of his kingdom, his government, the greatness of his kingdom and peace will be no end. The greatness of this government and peace will be no end. So when Jesus comes at Christmas as a baby, he is creating a new and everlasting kingdom of peace. He is creating a new and everlasting kingdom of peace. Where? Where is this new and everlasting kingdom of peace where there, there, where there will be peace will be no end? 
right? Is there some country, some remote island in this world where there's forever peace, where there's no war and division? Is there a spot where this happened, where this prophecy comes true, where this kingdom will be no end? Or where is this kingdom? What does this kingdom look like? See, the way I like to describe uh, a king and his kingdom is through the Mufasa principle. Now, Mufasa was an ancient prophet of Israel. No, I'm kidding. Legit Mufasa from Lion King. That's what I'm talking about, okay? So, so Mufasa, right, king of the jungle, king of all the creatures, right, has authority to rule in the circle of life. And he has this son named Simba. And Simba is the prince. He is the future king. And do you remember the scene in The Lion King where Mufasa is trying to teach Simba about this kingdom, right? And he wakes him up early in the morning. They go to the top of Pride Rock where they can see the entire kingdom. And do you remember what Mufasa says, right? In the deepest James Earl Jones, it's everything the light touches is our kingdom, right? You remember this, right? Beautiful moment, okay? And do you remember what Simba says. He says, well, what about that dark shadowy place over there? And Mufasa says, that is beyond our borders. You should never go there, right? The kingdom principle of the Mufasa kingdom principle is a king's king's kingdom is anywhere where the king rules. A kingdom is anywhere where the king rules and reigns. In Mufasa's kingdom and Simba's kingdom, there was a spot where the king ruled his kingdom, which was everything the light touches, and there was spots where the kingdom did not rule. There were borders, which was the dark, shadowy place. Now, if you look at, think, think about the old, uh, old movies of monarchies, right, and kings and kingdoms, what ends up happening, right? A king is trying to expand his kingdom. How does a king expand his kingdom? Right? He moves in and he kills the king in the, in the neighboring kingdom or he kicks him out and he then rules, he establishes throne in that kingdom as well. And those kingdoms will then advance. Right? So a, king, a kingdom is anywhere where the king rules. So if you apply this to Jesus, this baby that was going to set up this new and everlasting kingdom of peace, where does Jesus rule and reign? Where is his jurisdiction? Where, is, where, where does Jesus rule? Where is this kingdom? What does this look like? I want to take a look at one, one verse. This is going to be the key verse uh, today that I want you to remember. It's Colossians 3.15, and there's, there's kingdom language in this verse. When you listen to this verse, there's kingdom language. I want to see if you can hear it. It says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. You see, the, the kingdom language here is one word, rule. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. What does the king do? King rule, king do? A king rules. A king reigns. And so if we ask, where does the king rule and reign? Where does Jesus, the prince of peace, rule and reign? In this verse, it says it should be in our hearts should be in our hearts. See, see this kingdom of peace, this everlasting kingdom of peace that Jesus came to bring at Christmas is supposed to be in our hearts. Not anything, we're, we're, we're supposed to be ruled by the Prince of Peace, by the, 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 the peace of Christ. That's what our hearts are to be ruled by. Not by other people's expectations, not by circumstances in our lives, not by feelings. Now these are valid and real things, but what should rule our hearts is, this, is a peace 
from the Prince of Peace. Do you see our, our hearts, our hurt and broken hearts, our anxious and, and chaotic hearts, our passionate and ambitious hearts, our dark and sinful hearts are all supposed to be ruled by the peace of Christ. That is where Jesus' kingdom is, according to this verse. You see, um, this is the, the whole piece is, is that's what it's supposed to rule our hearts. So I ask you the question, does the peace of Christ rule in your heart? Does the Prince of Peace have jurisdiction in your heart? Does the Prince of Peace set up a kingdom, his kingdom, in your heart? And you might be thinking to yourself, the answer to that question is, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, I think so. I mean, I can't be sure, but I, I think maybe. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, the answer to that question is, well, yeah, sometimes. Sort of, at times, in moments, yes. And I guess at other moments, no. Uh, or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I have no idea. I mean, I don't, I don't know. How do I know if the kingdom, if God has set up this kingdom, how do I know if Jesus is at the center of this kingdom and is ruling and reigning? Like, what does that even look like? How does something like this happen? I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. You see, when Jesus takes up kingdom uh, rule in your heart, he changes it. He doesn't just show up and say, hey, I'm in your heart. I'm the king over your heart. I'm going to rule with peace in your heart. He doesn't just do that and say, but your heart's going to stay the same. No, when he comes in, he transforms you completely from the inside out. From the inside out, he transforms your heart and it will be transformed from the inside out. It will impact your whole life. Jesus says, if I can impact your heart, I can impact your thoughts, I can impact your actions, I can impact your future. And so Jesus does this. When he comes in, he doesn't come in and kill the previous king. He doesn't overthrow the previous king. He waits to be invited into this heart. How does this happen? When you surrender lordship and leadership to him, he takes up residence and creates a kingdom in your heart. When you say, I don't want to be in charge anymore. I don't want my selfish desires, my selfish ambitions, the things that I want for my life because I've tried to run my life and it's not going the way I want it to go. It's not going great. I want you, Lord, to be king in my heart. When It's a, it's a, it's a prayer of submission. Jesus, I want you to take this. So how does this happen? The, the verse continues and says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. See, before surrendering our lives to Christ, to God, and making him king over our hearts, our hearts are at conflict between, with, with us and God. See, he has to reconcile our hearts. He has to reconcile our relationship with God. You see, what sin creates distance, creates dissonance in our relationship with God. 
That our sin has broken a relationship with God. From the very beginning has broken that relationship with God. Now, if you look at this word reconciliation, to reconcile, when you reconcile something, you, you, you rectify it, you try to fix it, you resolve the conflict that's there. When you reconcile, you resolve. Or another way you could put it is restore harmony. Not sure if you're, you, you, uh, you're music fans, but, uh, but, but if you understand there's music terms like harmony and dissonance, right? I've, I've asked Austin to come and, uh, and share with us all of the beautiful things he does with his fingers here in the twinkling of harmony, right? So show us some harmony, right? Harmony makes us feel good. Right? It makes us feel good. It sounds good. It's pleasant. We like it. We enjoy it. But at some point, if you hit dissonance, right? Give us a dissonant. Right? It's just kind of off. Right? You, you hit a dissonant chord, it kind of just goes off. And it kind of sounds like, ooh, that doesn't seem right doesn't feel right. Why did that come to that point? Now in music, they use dissonance to create movement in a piece. But if they were to come to a point of dissonance without resolve to harmony, it would just feel off. It would just feel gross. It would just feel icky. That's a musical term as well, right? Thanks, Austin. Appreciate it. And so, so here, this is what happened. God created this world and it was harmonious. It was harmony. There was harmony between all of God's creation and there was harmony between God and his people, God and his creation. And then sin came into the world and created dissonance. It created this, whoa, something's off now. And even in Romans chapter eight, it talks about how the whole world is groaning, waiting for things to be set back right because sin messed everything up. And that same thing happens for us. Our sin creates dissonance with God, creates brokenness with God. Our relationship with God is not how it is, how it is meant to be. We have dissonance with God. We have distance from God. And that's why God sent Jesus to reconcile, to rectify, to resolve, to bring harmony, to bring peace again with God. How does he do that? Through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus came, he was born at Christmas, he grew up, he lived a perfect life, and he was sent to the cross. He died a death, a, a, a death that, that, that the guilty should have died, but he was innocent. He took our sin with him to the cross so that we don't have to pay that penalty. The penalty was paid. It just wasn't paid by us. And when he took our sin to the cross, God no longer counts our sins against us. He should. We are sinners. We are in rebellion against God. And he should count our sins against us. He should look at us and say, my goodness, they're sinners. My goodness, they're in rebellion against me. My goodness, this is not how it's meant to be. I want them to live this way. This is good and holy and right. And they're not living this way. He should count our sins against us. And he has to until Jesus came, died on the cross, rose from the grave and made us right with God. He brought reconciliation to us, 
to our hearts. He set up kingship in our hearts. He gave lordship in our hearts, and he established a new and everlasting kingdom of peace in our hearts. This is what the angel claims peace on earth to mean. Peace on earth to those in whom his favor rests. Peace on earth in people's hearts. Reconciliation with God and in one another. That's this peace on earth. When you read the Christmas story isolated from other things, it feels like, is this really a thing? Is this really attainable? What does this really mean? But when you look at the entirety of scripture, it shares that whole story. So what does this mean for us? I've got three application points. One is you can have this peace in your heart. You can have this inner peace with God. You can surrender your life to Jesus. And when you surrender your life to Jesus, you are saying, whatever's ruling my heart right now is gone. I want Jesus to rule my heart with a kingdom of peace. I want to set up a kingdom of peace in my heart. I want peace with God. I can't have peace with God without Jesus. I want peace with God. I want to reconcile that relationship with God. And it's a, and it's a simple prayer of, of surrender. You don't even have to bow your head and close your eyes. You just say, God, because of my sin, we are not at peace. And so you sent Jesus to reconcile and make us right. God, I pray that Jesus would come into my heart and, and transform it, make it new, transform me from the inside out and help me to follow the rule and reign of my new king. That's it. Some sort of prayer of surrender and, th and then to, to align yourself the way that his kingdom works and his kingdom rules. And so if you've never done that, do that this year. Have 2020 be marking the year that you gave your life to Christ, where you said, I'm done leading my own life. I want Jesus to do that. People will remember 2020 for a lot of different reasons, but this is the most important reason you would remember. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, do it now. Do it now. The second thing is this, maybe you've surrendered your life to Jesus and he has set up rule and reign in, in, in your heart. But yet there are times when you look at the chaos around you and you let the chaos of the circumstances in your life and in your world impact that inner peace. That you don't have peace. There's this kingdom of peace that's not ruling and reigning in your heart. Yes, he, he is Lord there. But the verse says, let the kingdom, let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart. It's our action we have to take. We have to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, not allow our external circumstances to rule in our hearts or allow our feelings to rule in our hearts or allow other people's expectations to rule in our hearts. We need to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. We can't be upset with Jesus because we're not at peace. We can't be upset with Jesus because, because there's, there's no peace there. We have that, this, this anxious heart. It's up to us to allow the peace of Christ to rule and not have it hijacked by another kingdom. Like I said before, Jesus is being asked, it, it does not, is not living the, like other kings do where they come in and take over with no choice. No, it's your choice to allow the kingdom of peace to rule in your heart. And so if this is you, you are constantly, your heart is constantly being, being swayed and tugged by all of the chaos in our world then I would recommend putting this verse 
uh, above your uh, above your sink or on your mirror. Putting this verse in your car where you're going to see it a lot. Put this verse on a, as a as a lock screen on your phone. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Read it when you get up in the morning. Read it when you eat meals and snacks, which may be a lot, right? Uh, you're going to read that a lot. Read it before bed. And the more you read it, the more you meditate on that, the more that when you're, you feel your heart swayed by something other than the peace of Christ, you will be reminded that you need to allow the peace of Christ, regardless of the circumstances you're in, rule in your heart. And then the next, the, 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 the last thing we can do to apply from this message is to take this ministry of reconciliation to the world. If we continue 2 Corinthians 5, starting with 19, he says this, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If, 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 if you have put Jesus as the king of your heart, he is establishing a new and everlasting kingdom of peace in your heart, then he has now given you a ministry, a message of reconciliation. Your heart has been reconciled with God and it is now your job as his ambassadors to, ha- to tell others, implore others, be reconciled to God. That is your message. That is your call that you need to do. So what I'm talking about impacting those that are around you, and I'm talking about doing that. Now here's where the rubber hits the road. You can't preach a message of peace when you don't have peace with God. You can't preach a message of peace if you don't have peace with others. You see, for some of you, the most impossible thing you could ever think of is making peace with God. Because something happened in your life and you blame God for some circumstance in your life that has happened or you had a negative experience with church or you had a bad experience with, a, with someone that was a Christian. And so you actually now cannot reconcile your relationship with God because you cannot make peace with God because of that. For others of you, it's the opposite. Making peace with God, you've done that. But making peace with someone else that's hurt you seems almost impossible. To forgive someone that has hurt you seems almost impossible to do. To actually ask for forgiveness for someone that you have hurt, whether you meant to or not, it seems almost impossible to do it. And I'm telling you, if you can't do these things, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. You will not have peace. You, you're, you're, you will not have peace in your heart. You will not have peace in your lives. You will be miserable. And you know I'm right because you feel it. You know I'm right because you know it. And so again, 2020 is going to be reminded of, it's going to remind you of a lot of, be known for a lot of things, but let it be known as the time when you reconciled that relationship that had been broken for so long. Or you began the process of reconciling that relationship with someone. Again, it's not going to just be fixed with a quick text, a quick phone call, a quick coffee. It's not going to be just fixed like that. But you could actually say, you know, 2020 was a crazy hard year, but it was also the year that I reconciled with that parent or step-parent or sibling or friend. Let that be known what 2020 is known for. 
You see, my family, uh, as Mark shared, as we've shared before, is taking up this unique call on our lives to move across the country to work with the refugee population of youth from all over the world through this organization called Envision Atlanta. And, and we are excited. Like I said, we are excited. I know you're excited. You've got a stake in what happens there. Um, and, and, and so, but you might be thinking to yourself, I wonder if God would ever call me to something like that. Use me in a way like that where, where I could actually share the gospel with someone and the good news of the person of Jesus with someone and they could respond to it with joy and excitement. I, I wonder if I could ever be used by that. I wonder if God will ever call me to something like that. He already has. He already has. You are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though he's making it his appeal through us. God does not work in the way where he's just going to send bolts of lightning to say, hey, no me, no me, no me, no me. He wants to use you to send to people that need to know Jesus. He wants to use people. He needs your, you as an ambassador. Here's the thing. I'm going to go down to, to Atlanta. Our family's going to go and we're going to come back and we're going to share story after story of what God has done and what God is doing, that there is a movement of revival with the students, with the youth of, of, of Clarkston. And they are actually, we are reaching the nations through that. And you know what? You'll have a stake in that. You'll have a part to play in that. What I don't want to do is come back and share all of that and have this place stay the same place as it is right now. I don't want to come back and say, but what has God done here? And you look around and think, I don't know. It's kind of been weird. It's kind of been hard. You know, it's kind of a hard season to, 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 to promote this kingdom of peace right now. I want to come back and I want to, I believe in this place. I want to see this place transformed. I want to see, I want to hear the stories of what God has done in your heart, what God has done in your relationships, what God has done in your workplace. I want to hear the stories of what God has done in this church. And I, I believe in what's going on here. I want to hear what God is doing in a revival within the youth of this church and with the youth of the Fox Valley. I believe in this. I believe in you because here's the thing. I don't want you to get distracted by what God is doing on the other side of the country so that you're distracted from what God wants you to do here. I'm leaving and I want to come back and I want to hear what God has done in your heart. I want to hear what God has done in your community, in your family. I want there to be a revival in this place. That's what I want to see happen. That's what I want to pray happens here in your heart and in your lives. So I want to pray to close this and I want to pray for you. Let me pray. God, we are not at peace because of our sin, but you sent Jesus to make a way. So God, I pray, Lord, that because of this inner transformation in our hearts, that change not only our hearts, but our thoughts and our actions and what we say and how we live. And, and God, I pray, Lord, that that would spark a revival among the youth and among the, 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 the adults and the kids here at Appleton Alliance Church, and that that would spark a revival in this community, that, 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 uh, that you would send your ambassadors out into schools and friend groups and teams and, and, and workplaces. God, that you would set up an everlasting kingdom of peace in people's hearts and in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Peace out.